Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. That was a great word. You know, it's uh, God so loved the world that he gave. John 3, 16, this is what we're celebrating, that God sent his son into the earth um, out of love because God is love. And his desire was that we not be separated from him. And so he made a way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and he's the only way to the Father. You know, we, we don't have the luxury of choosing how we come to God. We have to go to God the way he has enabled us to come. And that is through his son. And uh, Keith, thanks for that, you know, just sort of testimony and encouragement in the offering. Because, you know, giving is, is, is really, it's an act of love. It's, it's understanding God's plans and purposes, and, and God gave sacrificially his son, and we give to see the kingdom extended. We give so that there's a place for others to come and to receive, and so praise God. Amen. Let's, uh, this is good news of great joy to all the earth. I mean, I don't know that we fully always get it that the preaching of the gospel Gospel means good news. This is the preaching of the good news. And, um, you know, we, we should never be ashamed of this good news because it really it's the power of God unto salvation. And uh, if it means you have to bear the reproach that the world puts on us, so be it. We're supposed to bear that reproach, you know, because we love him and we want to be named with him. It's a, it's a blessed thing. Blessings to everybody out in Zoom and uh, <clears throat> on YouTube. So good to, to be with you all uh, in person or over the internet. <clears throat> um, you know, uh, this Christmas season, it's, it's really, it's, I, I think of it as a time of reflection on, on what God has done. We're going into a new year, a new season. It has been a crazy year. 2020 has been a crazy year with the pandemic and you know, Tammy and I were even talking this morning, like, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Like, we really feel like in this next week and going <clears throat> into this next season, it's going to be so important for us just to get alone with God. Let's hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. Let's get our ears tuned and let's align our hearts. And, 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 and God, we, we just want to know what you're doing, what you're saying. Because, you know, he's not surprised by any of this. I mean, every all things are working together according to his purpose. He's not like saying, oh, my goodness, look what happened. You know, he knows exactly what's been happening. He's working his plans and purposes. We're a little bit sometimes feeling like we don't know. But we're walking by faith. We're walking trusting the Lord, you know, trusting that he's good. I mean, it, we always have to remember God is good all the time. You know, he, he, he operates. Everything he does is out of love. You know, God just doesn't love. He is love. Everything from his being comes out of a place of love, and, and, and that's who he is. And when we start to understand that, and we start to see him as a father in heaven, and that we're his sons and daughters, that, and he operates at a perfect love, then you can move into the place of trust and confidence. And it's so important to move in trust and confidence, because when you're walking by faith, right, you want to know that God's got your back. <laughs> That God's with you, that he's going to get you through to the other side. And uh, that's what this good news is all about, is that he so loved us that he sent his son. And here we are. Bless the Lord. Uh, can you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11? As we move into this new season, it's a new year, you know, where it's been a crazy season. Who knows? You know, when things will shift, if things will go back to normal, what normal looks like. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm believing God for good things. I know he's got promises for good things. I know that there's, um, you know, there's a promise of an end time revival, a great, you know, harvest of souls that people are going to come to the kingdom. And when we keep our eyes fixed on him, we know, you know, it's not about our physical comfort, but it's about the, the kingdom of God coming and as our aligning like on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we want to align ourselves with that, I want to talk this morning about, um, you know, the power of the spoken word, the words that 
God has spoken and the words that we speak in aligning ourselves with him. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 3. We see, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. So when we look back in Genesis, there's a series of statements where it says, and God said, let there be light, and it was light. And God said, separate the, uh, the night from the day. He spoke it. And God, uh, you know, created man, created us in his image. He sp every, everything that he did, he did by the spoken word. Uh, so this scripture isn't just symbolic. It's actually telling us what happened. God spoke and it came to pass. God actually created everything with his words. He spoke creation into existence. And the substance of, of his faith manifested in what we see today. Everything you see was created by the word of God spoken. Uh, his word has unlimited power. Um, each time, whenever God speaks, the Bible says that he watches over his word to perform it. You know, and it's interesting because he created us in his image and in his likeness. It just, it, it's not just a physical image, right, that we were created in. We were created to be like God. We were created to have fellowship with him. We're, he, he's God, but we were created in his image. And so that he wants our words to align with his words. His word is so powerful, and in Hebrews uh, 1 verse 3, it says, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Do you know that everything whole is held together by God's word? You know, it's interesting when you uh, look at physics, it talks about the atom and, uh, you know, molecules and uh, at the center of an atom is a nucleus and it's surrounded by with, with protons and neutrons and then there's electrons surrounding that. And what I learned in, like, physics and chemistry was that, you know, the protons have a positive charge. The electrons have this negative charge. And that's what sort of they uh, keep things moving together. I never really understood what holds the nucleus together. Because those protons should, should be repelling each other. But there's some sort of nuclear power or the, the nucleus, right? It's when they split the atom, it creates a nuclear explosion because there's a power that holds that together. I believe that's the power of God. <laughs> it's holding all things together by the word of his power. Praise the Lord. Okay, turn with me to James chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. James 3, beginning of verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 12. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. I just want to pause there. If anyone doesn't stumble in word, he is a perfect or, or he's, in, he's a mature person. He's come into full maturity because he's someone who can who bridles his tongue. You know, I've been talking uh, the last number of times I've been speaking. It was on body, soul, and spirit. And, you know, we know our spirit has been born again, saved. It's, it communicates with God. It's perfect. It's been sealed unto the day of redemption. But our minds, our, our soul, our mind, will, and emotion, which is our soul, we know we have to renew our minds the way we think to align with God. You know, and the Bible says to crucify all the desires of our flesh or uh, the fallen nature and, and to live unto God. Make, the Bible says to walk in the spirit and not make any provision for the lust or the desires of the flesh. <clears throat> so as we're, we're, we're progressing in that, right? We're growing in God. We're growing in the spirit. He's, he's perfecting the things which concern us, which means he's bringing to maturity our walk with him. 
We want to grow closer to the, to the Lord. Let, he, let Christ in us increase and those, those desires of the flesh increase. Where do we set our desire, our passion? My wife gave a, an encouragement earlier about, you know, Eve looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and, you know, and it was, it was desirable to make one wise and, you know, where are we setting our affections? You know, as I was walking in to church, I felt like the Lord speaking to me about what do you fill your heart with all day long? Like what fills your life? Because what you fill yourself with manifests outside. You know, out of the abundance of your heart, you speak words. It's what's filling your heart is what comes out. And, you know, sometimes we, you know, speak wrongly and we say, oh, I didn't mean that or whatever. But things come out of somewhere. <laughs> and uh, whether, you know, things come out and you realize how bad it sounds and how hurtful it might be. And you truly are sorry afterwards. I'm not trying to negate that. But. Sometimes you have to say, where do these things come from? Because everything that comes out, everything that manifests typically has a root somewhere, right? Where there's roots, you know, the saying is where there's roots, there's shoots. Um, you know, where there's some, if there's some, if there's some bitter root there, you know, and it comes, it'll come out of us. And the Bible says, you know, let not any bitter root come, you know, take harbor in you, lest it defile others, because it will defile. That, that, that's what it does. So in James, it says, if anyone doesn't, does not stumble in word, he's a perfect or a mature man. So I was just pondering that and saying, God, I know you want to bring us into maturity. Uh, you know, we, we talk about, you know, not living in the flesh, but, you know, being led by the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. What are some of the barometers? What's the gauge? You know, sometimes if you're, you're not feeling well, you say, I don't know, maybe I've, you, you take a thermometer and you, you take your temperature and see, is my temperature normal or is it, is it elevated? Is it suggesting there's something wrong? Well, sometimes the words that come out of our mouth will suggest where we are. You know, where, where are you? Where is your growth in Christ? How do you talk to people? How do you respond all right, let's just keep reading. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, and he's able to bridle the whole body indeed. We put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. Yeah. I want to skip down a little bit. But the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members that it, that, it can that it defiles the whole body and it's set on fire. It, it sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. You know, can I just pause there for a minute? Like, we stand here and we bless God, but then in the same, out of the same mouth, we can enter into, it's really judgments against others. You know, we curse people or we speak, you know, sometimes when we read that curse, you think of like foul language, <laughs> speaking a curse word over somebody. But anytime you speak ill of somebody, you're releasing words which have power. And so words can be curses even if they're not vulgar, <laughs> if, if you're following me, even if you're not dropping an F-bomb or something like that. You know, it's still <laughs> they are still curses because you're speaking ill of somebody else. All right? So... It's not supposed to proceed out of our mouth. Why? Because we're not supposed to be walking in judgment of our brothers and sisters. So when people do things that are hurtful or offensive, you know, the Bible says, you know, we're not to take offense, right? It says, blessed are those who love your law and nothing shall offend them. I have to confess I'm still offendable and God's helping me. 
but, but that's, not a, that's not a good thing. I, I, I'm confessing a weakness that I still get offended. And maybe some of you do. I don't know. But I, I still get offended and God's checking me. God's checking me. It's like, Billy, you're not dead to yourself because when people do something that, 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 that offend me and like I, I act out, unfortunately, it comes out of my flesh. It's not my spirit, but my flesh, I react. And, and, I, and, and, and it's not godly. And so the Lord has been checking me and saying, you know, when things happen, offenses will come. But we have to be like Jesus was on a cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know, and the enemy will try to lie to you and say, oh, they know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> you know, you can't agree with the enemy. You can't agree with the enemy. It's funny, but it's not. It's like this is real life stuff. This is real life stuff, and we have to, we have to be unoffendable. We, we have to really be dead. Like, you can't offend me. You know, you can slap me. You can do this. You can do that. But you can't offend me. I can't. You know, it's, I'm not there, but I, I want to go there. I want to be like Christ. You know, he is my all in all. I, I, you know, I, I want to see him exalted in everything. And, and if we can get to this place. So if we're growing in maturity, a temperature check is how do we, what words proceed out of our mouth? Do blessing and cursing still come out of this mouth? The Bible says it ought not to be so. You know, with this mouth should come blessing. You know, you can't get bitter water and, you know, and good water out of the same well. It's either bitter or it's, or it's, or, or it's good, but it can't be both. And we deceive ourselves. And sometimes we read through these scriptures and I'm like, yeah, okay, I sort of get it, but I don't get it. <laughs> Because I just continue on, and God wants to change some things. So out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing, my brother. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree bear olives? Who will we root it in? Right? A fig tree bears figs. An olive tree bears olives. We can't, you, you can't have two different kinds of fruit coming out of us. So, and he's talking about our words. He's talking about the power of our tongue. Okay. Turn with me to Matthew 12, 33 to 37. I'm just going to read through it quickly. I just want to give you a context. Jesus talking, he said, now, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Jesus said what? You'll know my disciples by, by their fruit, right? You'll know them by because they actually love each other. Do we? You know, you know love is kind. Love is, always speaks. Love believes the best, you know. But speaking of this, this generation and the religious folks, he said, but brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is a truth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart, evil things. But I say to you that if for every idle word men speak, look at this. Now he, he's switching. We're talking about trees. We're talking about the heart. But he says, but I say to you, every idle word that men speak, they will give an account of in the day of judgment. For by the words, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for grace. You know, he covers us in grace. But here's the thing. We want to grow in maturity. I mean, I want to walk with God. How many want to be people of faith and power? How many want to see miracles, signs, and wonders? Okay. In order to do that, like, we have to begin to align every part of us with the word of God. Body, soul, and spirit. We have to speak his word. We have to agree in faith. We have to, we have to appropriate heaven and bring it into earth. And in order to do that, 
we have to surrender every part of us and say, God, your will be done. And so we have to ask him, God, take control of my tongue. I don't want, you know, help me to bite down hard on my tongue when thoughts come. Listen, the fact that a thought comes to your mind of offense, the fact that a thought comes to your mind of anger, the fact that a thought comes to your mind of all different things is not a sin. Here's the thing. It's what do you act on and what do you vent? What do you speak out and empower by the words you speak? Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. And I'd like to read this in the, um, the Passion Translation or the Passion um, Commentary, we'll call it. I say that because some Bible people understand it. The Passion Translation has not, or commentary hasn't been put through the same rigorous uh, as other Bibles, but that's for another time. Other translations. Uh, but anyway, Proverbs 29, 11, just so we understand in, in the Passion, says, you can recognize fools by the way they give full vent to their rage. Other versions say they just speak everything that comes into their mind. Whatever comes into their mind, they see. I don't, you know, and some people are proud of it. Like, I don't hold anything back. I just tell you like it is. I, what I feel, I tell you. And, and the Bible says, well, you know, you're acting foolishly. It's not even evil, but it's very foolish. Okay? It's not wise. It doesn't bring forth life, and it will actually bring forth death. Uh, and you, you may think you're, you know, like, I just tell it like it is. But <clears throat> there are times when you need to bite your tongue. Don't speak everything that comes through your head. Because not everything that comes into your head is even your own thoughts. Because the, the, the enemy throws fiery darts into your head. Every, every accusation that comes into your head, I can tell you who it comes from. <laughs> it comes from the accuser. Because he's constantly accusing. He accuses yourself like, you stupid idiot, you did that again. And you agree, like, oh, I'm a stupid idiot. No, don't speak those words. God forgive me for saying that. But, um, or uh, someone else, like, they did this or they did that, you know. And, like, don't agree with the accuser. Say, God, I don't understand why so-and-so did that. Or, God, that was foolish of me. You, repent. But don't agree and don't give, don't speak everything that comes into your head. You can recognize fools because they give full vent to their rage and let their words fly. But the wise bite their tongue. Everyone say this. The wise bite their tongue. If we just got that little bit, you would grow in such wisdom. Just, just hold it. Don't feel like you have to speak everything that comes into your mouth, into your mind. The wise bite their tongue and hold back all they could say. Especially in the heat of an argument. Hold it back. But not just then. I mean, really, let your words, the Bible says let, let all words be seasoned with salt, meaning the preservative of the word of God. Let it be filtered like, sometimes we refer to people and they say, oh, they have no filter. That's not a compliment. <laughs> you need to have a filter. You need to let the word of God be your filter. And we don't give full vent to everything that comes into our minds. And the wise bite their tongue and hold back all they could say. You know, the Bible says that love covers, right, a multitude of sins. It's just there are things like people say things to you and you could respond with the most because you know a truth that you could speak and cut them, you know, but that's not good. You know, it's just you better hold it. Don't answer evil with evil. You know, answer evil with good, the Bible says. Now, so I, I, I want to continue on this, this idea. You have to understand you were created in the likeness of God, right? 
in the similitude of God. God's words are powerful. God, the Bible says he exalts his word even above his name. And it says he watches over his word to perform it. God doesn't speak idle words. We just read that every idle word that men speak, they're going to give an account of. What is an idle word? I, idle words are words that you don't really mean. You know, so when we speak uh, self-defeating words, when we speak things, and sometimes we speak words that, you know, are just kind of like sayings or, you know, like, I'm dying to see so-and-so. Well, you're not really dying to see so-and-so. But, like, but what you do is you start to speak words that you don't really believe. Like, that's just a saying, I don't really believe that. But you start to train yourself that not every word you speak is a powerful word, is a word that I going to put faith in. So then you start to devalue the power of your words because you, you speak idle words all the time. And I think if we're going to train ourselves and disciple ourselves, you know, we need to, this is going to take discipleship. I mean, I've been here, I've had these kind of teachings for going on 40 years, you know, about the power of words. But I really feel like the Lord is starting to emphasize, like, you never really disciple. You know about it. You talk about it. You make positive confessions. You confess the word of God. But there's a real discipleship, which means coming under a discipline to align yourself and your words with God's words. And I think if we would allow that discipleship or the discipline of the Lord to, to begin to really take root, and monitor how we speak, that we'll start to move in the faith of God. Because we'll start to not speak words that we don't even believe, but we'll start to season ourselves in a way that when we speak, like we speak the truth. We speak, we say what we mean, and we mean what we say. Okay, turn with me to Mark 11. Beginning at verse 12. Talking about the power of words. Mark 11, beginning at verse 12. I'm going to read 12 to 14, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 20. Okay. Beginning at verse uh, 12. Mark 11, verse 12. Now, the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, Jesus was hungry, and seeing afar... A fig tree having leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. So he saw from afar a fig tree and it had leaves. I, this is important that you understand. The leaves spoke of something. So he said, seeing it had leaves, he went to see it. Perhaps he would find something on it. In other words, he was looking for figs. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Why? For it wasn't the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now, I used to read this and say, why was he so hard on the fig tree? I mean, it wasn't even a season for figs. Uh, no, honestly, I just, you know, sometimes you think about it. It wasn't the season for figs. So just, but he saw it, and it was full of leaves. And leaves suggested that it was bearing fruit. Because leaves blossom when things are happening. So he saw from afar, and said, look, there's leaves on this fig tree. Let, and he went, see, it, it was calling to him, it was speaking to him in a way. All of creation speaks, and it was speaking to him that it had leaves. And when it got there, it was like there were no figs. And Jesus cursed it because it was really, it was, it was sort of like a, it was, it was deceptive. It was like, <clears throat> let no one eat fruit from you ever again. His disciples heard and said, all right, he doesn't like the fig tree. And, <laughs> and they went on their way, skipping down to verse 20. Now, in the morning, they're coming back on their journey, wherever they were going, they're going, coming back. Now, in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree, and it's dried up from the roots. Now, Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. 
Jesus answered and said to them, have you, so, so it's interesting because sometimes we read this and we, we don't really put any inflection or emotion into this thing. Jesus, Peter's astonished and like, oh my goodness, Jesus, look, you cursed the fig tree. Now it's, it's dried up from the roots. And Jesus is a little bit shocked with Peter and says, Peter, don't you have faith in God? For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So Jesus cursed the fig tree, and he was not surprised at all the next day when, he, when they walked by. was that because he doesn't speak idle words. He wasn't just like, oh, that fig tree, <laughs> and was on his way. When he spoke something, he knows, he, he expects things to happen. He, he knows his words have power, and he believes in his words. We speak words, but we don't mix them with faith. If you don't mix your words with faith, actually, a lot of the words we speak, thank God we don't mix them with faith because there's so much negativity <laughs> in our own lives that it's almost the grace of God. But we want to move out of the place of negativity and start speaking words over ourselves that are mixed with faith, and we're going to see things happen. He spoke, he's, and, so, and then Jesus gives a principle. I say to you, whoever says, okay, it's important that you speak words. Whoever says to this mountain. So he's not talking about a fig tree. He's using a fig, the fig tree was an example, but he says, listen, have faith in God. I say to you, whoever speaks to a mountain, says to a mountain, be removed and cast into the sea <coughs> and does not Doubt in his heart. Here's the key. Not doubting. Does not doubt in his heart. But believes that those things he does what? He, is anybody reading? He says. <laughs> the things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says, okay, it's important we speak words and we mix them with faith. Therefore, I say to you, whoever, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. So we need to start aligning our words with our faith. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to touch on a little bit of why this mixture of words and, and faith or belief. Hebrews 4, beginning of verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, let, lest any of you seem to come short of it. Of what? Of the promise of entering God's rest. For indeed, the gospel or this good news was preached to us as well as to them. To them it was referring to the Israelites coming out of Egypt and, you know, they were supposed to go into the promised land, but a whole generation passed away in the wilderness. They didn't enter into the, the fullness of the promise, and, and that's the context. Uh, for the good news was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. They had the word, the Israelites coming out of Egypt had a word that God was going to bring them into a promised land. It was a land flowing with milk and honey, meaning it was a good land. It was a prosperous land. You're going to thrive in this land. But they had the word, but they didn't mix it with faith, and therefore they didn't enter into the fullness of the promise. The word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. God has given us many precious promises, but you have to mix it with faith. You have to believe it. 
Because if we don't believe it, then they fall to the ground and they die. The word, it, does, it didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. For we who believe do enter into that rest, as he said. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. It's important. <clears throat> now, some people will start to confess the word of God by, God, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. And we start to want to step into the fullness of the promises of God. But you get discouraged and you quit. You have to mix it with faith. You can't say, oh, I tried that, I tried that. It's, you know, it's, you want to be like the, uh, the man who came to Jesus. With, I think it was his son or his daughter was, was, had leprosy and kept, not lep uh, uh, epilepsy and would throw himself. And he was like, you know, and he said, he said, I brought him to you if you can heal him. He says, if I can heal him, we're like, where is your faith? And he was like, Jesus, God, help, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. I mean, we have to say, God, help me to step into the place of faith. Now, we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not our faith. It's his faith. Right? You got saved. Galatians. Um, I've, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm not living... By my faith, I'm living by his faith, right? We, uh, it's Galatians 2.20, I think. It's, we have to understand, you're not even born again by your own faith. It's God's faith. <laughs> he gives us this faith. He gives to every man a measure of faith. And we need to step fully into his faith. Okay. Turn with me to Romans 10, beginning of verse 8. Romans 10, beginning of verse 8. Scripture says, the word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. This is, this, is, this is how you are born again. You believed in your heart, and you, may, you, can, you spoke it out loud. Jesus, I, Father, I believe that you sent Jesus as your only begotten son to be the, my Messiah, my Savior, you know, and that by his shed blood, I confess him as Lord, and, and you're born again. Um, you know, it's interesting. In the early church, they didn't really think you were a believer or a follower of Jesus Christ unless you got baptized. Uh, somewhere in the 40s and 50s, with mass rallies, they started having altar calls, and people would come forward. And, and I'm not trying to put that down, but... You know, it's if people came forward and they prayed the prayer, and then we'd say they're, they're saved, they're born again, and perhaps they are. And then sometimes even just, you know, if you're listening on the television, just raise your hand and pray this prayer with me. And, you know, if you believe in your heart and you pray that prayer, you confess that, you are born again. But I think sometimes that lack of coming all the way forward and, like, to have full baptism, it requires, like, conscious effort and commitment to step in and say, no, I believe this. I'm stepping in. I'm going to get baptized. And a lot of places in the world, they don't even consider you, a, you know, like I think in some Muslim countries, you know, you have people that are hiding out and they're afraid to get baptized because they'll actually get killed. My only point is sometimes we make it too easy in the sense of, and it's easy to get saved, but it's not really the currency of heaven. Currency of heaven is belief in the heart, and then confession is made unto salvation. It's not just, well, if I just say these magic words. I remember being on some mission trips, and 
uh, with different people, and I, we had one woman who was such a great evangelist. She'd get everybody to say the sinner's prayer. Like in the taxi, she'd get this person to say the, They were all saying the sinner's prayer. And I was like, you know, in one sense, I'm like, she's amazing. In another, I was just trying to think, are they really saved? You know, if someone just says words without belief in the heart, right, then they're like idle words. I'm not trying to put anything, anyone down or anything. I'm just trying, just as I'm, I'm you know, <clears throat> I know there's just seeds, seeds that are sown, and I'm sure most of those people got saved uh, and, and amazing, but it's just like, are they really born again? And it might have been a step along their journey, and I'm sure many, many got born again. I'm not, but I'm just trying to make a point of there has to be belief in the heart and then confession. Um, The words which we speak, turn with me to Matthew 15. Beginning around verse 9. Jesus is in a little bit of a dispute with the religious folks who are honoring their tradition even over and above the word of God. Around verse 9, he says, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now, the background right before this is that his disciples, as they were walking along the road, were just like picking some stalks of wheat, and they were eating the, the, the grain of wheat, and they hadn't washed their hands. And uh, the Pharisees were saying to them, oh, look, they're, you know, they're eating with defiled hands, and, you know, that's sinful. And he's like, he's, he's clarifying. And he says, he called the multitude, and he said to them, hear and understand it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. Then his disciples came to him and said, you know, the Pharisees were offended when you said that. And he answered and said to them, every plant which my heavenly father has planted will be, has not planted will be uprooted. So just leave them alone. They're blind leaders of the blind. If the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into the ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Jesus was kind of amazed with his own disciples. He was like, are you still without understanding? Do you not understand that what enters the mouth, you know, goes through the digestive system and it's eliminated in the latrine, the toilet. But those things which proceed out of the mouth, they come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands, that does not defile a man. Turn with me to Psalm 15. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness. He who speaks the truth in his heart. He does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friends, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. But he who honors those, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He swears, he swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money for usury. He does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. So I, I want to focus on 
verse 2. It says he speaks the truth in his heart. Verse 3, he doesn't backbite with his tongue. Down in verse 4, it says he swears to his own hurt and does not change. Swears that today, often, it's not uncommon for people to say one thing and do another. Are you coming to my party? Yeah, I'll be there. And they either don't intend to come or they're like, well, if I'm not other, if I don't have other plans, I'll go. It's, it's, in other words, they don't mean it. Say things that you don't mean. When you, when you get in a habit and all too many people will do that, if they say, yeah, I'll be there at 9, but, you know, they're not going to show up till 9.30 or 10, then they, when they say, I'll be there at 9, but they have a habit of always being late to their appointments, if they say to you, I'm going to be there at 9, and they never show up on time, they devalue their own words. I'm saying this to encourage you. We want to, you need to start to discipling your own words. If any man doesn't offend in tongue the same, in, in his word, the same as a perfect man, we have to enter into the discipleship of our words so that our words mean something. We can, if you continually speak idle words or words that you don't value or you know you're not going to honor, or you speak lying words, lying, why does God hate a lying tongue? God never lies. He, he just doesn't do that. And he says, I'm not like a man that I should lie. I don't lie. But when we lie, we, we, we know we're speaking words that aren't true. And so our words are just, they, they're not, they're devoid of power. And so when we train ourselves that our words have no meaning, it's hard for us to move in faith. Because we've trained ourselves that the words we speak have no power, have no meaning, because we've devalued our words. Whether it's when I'll, I'll meet you there at 9. Listen, things happen, and I get it, but when it happens all the time, you're not honoring your word. And we, you have to begin to say, I want to be a person whose words mean something. Last few times I spoke, I was in body, soul, and spirit. We have to learn to be disciples. We have to renew our minds with the word of God, start to align ourselves with truth. I really believe that as we go into this new season, God wants us to start discipling ourselves in the words we speak so that we can align with what he's saying so that our words will be filled with faith and power. He wants us to be people of faith and power. Um... Luke, I'm going to close with two scriptures. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says, He was faithful in what is least, is faithful also in much. He was unjust in least, is unjust also in much. I think our words that we don't think mean much is the least. You know, it's like we have to be faithful in our words even when we don't think it's, eh, it's not so important. I was just playing. Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21 says, a man's stomach will be filled by the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Not just life, not just that they're both there. If we, if we agree with God and what he says over our lives and his promises, and that's what we, we speak, we don't enter into it, we don't agree with the accuser and start speaking against others backbiting, which we just read in Psalm 15. These are all, this all comes out of the heart. We're really discipling our hearts by the word and not taking every thought captive, right? Like not allowing every thought that comes into our minds to escape our mouth. Don't allow every thought. That's what we read in the Passion Translation. Yeah, 29.11. do 
Don't give full vent to everything that comes into your mind. Let your words fly, but the wise bite their tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat its fruit. Let's go into this next, this new year with a recognition of God has good things for us. We want to align ourselves with him. Let's not agree with the accuser. It's so important that in this time and season we're in that we never align with accusations against ourselves about how bad we are. Don't align yourselves with accusations about others, about how bad they are. Don't align yourselves with accusations about God. I think that covers it. Accusations against God, others, ourselves. No accusation. We're not going to align with the accuser. We're just going to say, God, if I don't, if I don't, if you don't, something happens, just say, I don't understand. Don't say, no, I, I understand. That, you're, you're deceived. Let, let judgment rest with God. Don't occupy the place of the judge. Let God judge and say, God, I leave it to you. I don't understand. I, I don't want to be, a, I'm not the judge, so I'm not going to enter into that place. Just bless him and then just speak blessing. I love you guys. Blessings out on Zoom. When you go into your breakout rooms, you know, just pray over each other. Speak words of blessing. I love you guys. Uh, amen. Going to ask the worship team to come up. Jesus. We love you. Can we stand in the room here? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. God, I thank you for each and every one in this room here and the sound of my voice. God, I thank you that you are working something deep inside of us. God, I thank you that nothing has taken you by surprise, that the times and seasons that we live in, you foreordained in your word. You established and chose the times that we would be born into. And you've even established the borders in which we dwell. You knew we would be here in New York on December 27th, uh, 2020. Nothing takes you by surprise. God, I thank you that you're perfecting and bringing to maturity all that concerns us. Father, right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray your transcendent power over each and every one. God, that you would begin to infuse them with your Holy Spirit. God, would you come and bring deeper anointing, deeper in presence. God, would you release more grace? Release grace. Grace, grace, grace over each and every one of us. In Jesus' name.